Havayawi. I thank you for this day, Father. I thank you for my breath. And as you tell me in your word, Father God, that in praying and thanking you that I should be mindful in my prayers of those I'm praying for. I'm thanking you for the opportunity that they are in my life to pray for them. Father God, my brothers and sisters, that I pray over them each and every day, Father God, that you would open their spiritual hearing, not just to hear the words that I share with them, but to listen to the message and go to your word and seek you, Father God, seek you, diligently seeking you for your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Abba Yahweh, Amen. So, um, yeah, that's really uh, an important word. Not only in the prayer, but um, when the Lord woke me up this morning or later this morning, he gave me an opportunity to to rest in, and, and which is very appreciative. I mean, he's a, our Heavenly Father really, really honestly loves and cares for us. And um, in reading this morning, I found, and I found it very provocative and, and interesting and something definitely worth sharing. Every, everything in his word is. But if we go to the book of Colossians, we're going to find something quite interesting and, and I'm going to share with you that Twisted Paul yeah, Twisted Paul don't take that in a in a bad light because that's not what I mean at all um, you hear sometimes the term ah, oh, that person's so twisted um, meaning that they're really bad and I share that about Paul because Paul tends to um Sometimes in his writing, and the way he speaks, he can be confusing. But here's the thing that I, I've noticed and I, I paid attention to in, in putting this together. As Jesus learned from being part in, with, and from the Father, the parabolic speech that he used often, and the Pharisees had a hard time understanding it, because they didn't speak the truth and they didn't get the truth anyway, because they were so much better and higher than everyone else, including their declaration of that over Jesus, because Jesus was a liar and a blasphemer. Hmm. So says the Pharisees. Um, so Jesus spoke parabolically because he learned that from his father. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you will see that God spoke with his prophets and spoke that same way. There were many times that God spoke in a parable or to them, and even his messengers, when they delivered his word, they were speaking in that parable, parabolic speech. And I find that interesting, and the reason I find it interesting is because 
I've shared this with you before, I'm pretty certain, that if you were really listening, not just hearing what was said, and, and here comes the difference. When you hear the parable, you're not going to understand it. You're not going to get it. But if you're really interested, you're going to lean in and you will ask questions. As David did to the Lord, you will inquire. You will ask after him, Father, show me what that means. I don't understand. And that's not bad. God's not going to shame you or he's not going to wag his finger at you for that. He's going to explain it to you. He's going to clarify it for you. And why? Because his ways are much higher than ours and his thoughts are much higher than ours. And he knows that you're going to ask. And he wants you to ask, which is part and parcel of why he does, I, I believe, my perception. Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means that my perception is that he wants you to lean in and ask. Now, the Pharisees had a little bit of a problem because they were just liars and they didn't hear the truth and they wanted to be more important than everybody else. So they just called Jesus a liar and then what he was saying wasn't true. And they didn't understand the parables. And as Jesus explained to us in the scripture that he claimed to, he came to reveal the lies and deceit and the iniquities and the sin and then he revealed it, but then there continued denying of that. So they must be without sin. A little of Christ's sarcasm there, and you find that in the scriptures, actually. He shares that, that he revealed it, so they must not have it. Now, Paul speaks somewhat parabolically because that's what he he got the spirit from Christ Jesus when he got knocked off his ass and traveling to Damascus he was knocked off that animal into the middle of the road and then Jesus was standing over him oh my goodness gracious if you can imagine being laying down on the ground and then you kind of shake your head and you realize you're in a bit of a daze and then you open your eyes and you have someone standing over you that's pretty intense, but opening your eyes and you see and recognize, and I'm certain that he did, the scripture is not specific to that, but then it's Jesus spoke and said, Saul, 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 why persecutest thou me? Meaning the body of the church. Saul was being paired, paid, pardon me, he is being paid by both the Romans and receiving payment from the Pharisees, the pharisaical tyrants, who were not truly interested in the people whatsoever. And even after, even after getting their crucifixion of Christ Jesus, getting that employed... They weren't satisfied still. Now they were worried about anyone and everyone that followed him because they realized that the authority went far beyond Christ Jesus himself. And now they were after the apostles, the disciples that went out and were teaching the word. Now, not all remained. Remember, it said that, that many left and they walked away because Jesus was leaving. 
And I've shared with you before, I believe I'm pretty certain I did, or maybe I wanted to and I didn't. Um, but Jesus was here, so they all felt comfortable. They had a comfort zone. And Jesus was that bumper pad and, and he was here. But now he's crucified and he's on the mount and he's being transfigured and going back to heaven. And it says that some just left. They walked away. They departed. Because he was gone. So as he spoke to Nathaniel and he said, oh, you believe that I am the Messiah and the son of God because I tell you that I saw you sitting under the fig tree, but I wasn't there. And when you were crying out for me to see you and you were upset and weeping and now I come and I stand before you and tell you I saw you and now you believe you're going to see a lot more. You stick with me, Nathaniel, and you will see the angels descending and ascending to heaven. You'll see a lot more things. Come and see. And he spoke that actually to, to a number of those that came. Come and see. Oh, we want to follow you. Where do you live? Come and see. Christ Jesus was probably pretty close to the original homeless guy. He didn't live anywhere. He didn't run home and stay with Emma every opportunity he had. First of all, it'd be a long way to get to from a lot of his walking and traveling and every day going home and staying with Ema because his earthly Abba has died. But he didn't do that. Jesus stayed in the tent, slept under trees. And some people would put him up and invited, but come and see. Come see where I live. Even stayed in Matthew's house. Had dinner with Matthew. And folks didn't like that. Why? Because Matthew was something that they had to find judgment against. Because he was a publican. Tax collector being paid by the Romans and by the Pharisees. Again, we find that. But continuing with Saul and Paul. So here he is in the middle of the road, opens his eyes and looks up, and here he sees Christ, Jesus, standing above him. Saul, 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 why persecutest thou me? Why are you coming after the body of the church? Why are you coming after my body when you should be part of it? Of course, I am now paraphrasing because the scriptures are not specific that he said any of these extra things. 
But if you can imagine what the conversation was like, and, and Saul was pretty, he was pretty tied up. But then what did Jesus do? He took his eyesight and he was ministered to by, here it comes, a Samaritan, not by a Jew. He was administered to by a Samaritan because in spite of or despite what was going on with the profiling, the Samaritans were actually an open-hearted people and they, they learned to be defensive in the way that they were because what they got. But you remember, let me share this with you. Remember that all of the, the issues and things came about to the Samaritans because the um, scribes, the librarians of the synagogues, they were left behind because the pharisaical tyrants, the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees, when Israel was taken into captivity for that 70 years that they were in bonded captivity to Babylon. They left them behind because they weren't important to, the scribes were not important enough to take along with the almighty Pharisees and the Sadducees. They weren't important enough. They just kept the writings. So they were left behind. And what happened is that they, in the 70 years, some of them married uh, Samaritan women and when the uh, scribes were trying to minister to the peoples around, Samaria was right there close by. So some of them intermarried. And then, of course, when Israel came out of bondage, they were labeled as half-breeds. And they wouldn't allow them to help rebuild the city or the temple because the pharisaical tyrants had declared them unfit and unclean. When those that they left behind stayed with them and ministered to them and married because there was no one else. Hmm. Food for thought, ponderance. However, being paid by both the Romans and the pharisaical tyrants, a Samaritan took Saul, Paul, as he was renamed, and he took him and he took him to an inn and he uh, paid the innkeeper for him to stay, to tend him, and give him whatever he needed, and he paid him for that service. And he told him, he said, if there is any more when I return, I will settle with you. And the innkeeper had no problem with that because he knew this Samaritan. He was a businessman, and he traveled through there frequently. And uh, and I'm note I'm making note of that because of the interchange that they had, and there was no question posed. I'm so I'm reasoning that uh, I'm a presuming, not assuming, but I'm presuming based on what I've read and the interaction that was even in the Bible. I said the innkeeper was familiar with the Samaritan, but the point being that Saul was carried and taken care of and ministered to by a Samaritan. And Paul, when he regained his sight, was then a changed person. Christ Jesus came in and changed him. He became the apostle, Paul, 
And through that spiritual conversion from Christ Jesus, he speaks parabolically often. I mean, you, you just read through his letters and you'll see what I'm talking about. Now, Peter, Peter also, but Peter walked with Jesus for three years. He walked and followed Christ Jesus in his teaching. He became angry with Jesus a few times and wanted to uh, walk off because of his attitude. And and uh, remember when he denied Jesus, even after affirming that he would never do that and then did because he was faced with the possibility of being killed. Well, that does something to a person. And I will attest to that, that that does something. Peter went outside of the city and he threw himself down on the ground and he wept because he knew what he had done. That, that man that he had followed for three years and swore to him that he would never leave his side, that he would follow him unto death. And then when they took Christ Jesus to put him on the cross and kill him, he denied him. Not once, not twice, Three times, as Jesus said he would. But he threw himself down on the ground and he wept and, and forgiveness was given and he became that rock, as Jesus called him, Cephas, the stone, the rock. The cornerstone of the foundation of the church that Christ Jesus was talking about building, but not the physical building that the Pharisees always thought Christ was speaking about. They always thought he was talking about the physical building. And and you you read Peter's writings and his letters, First Peter, Second Peter, and even in uh, Acts, you'll see you'll you'll see that. Uh, parabolic speech that I'm talking about. He was with Jesus for three years. And the other disciples, apostles, they also did the same thing. Except I will say, and I will share, that there is one who is not so much so. And I'm going to say that we have, we have, uh, we're going to see here in this writing from James. Now, we know that there was, at the time that Christ was walking, where you have, we know that there was, James, one of the sons of thunder, James and John, they were brothers, sons of Zebedee. And then there was another James. And this James, and I'm going to have to research this and find out. I'm not sure, but I'm just going to throw this out. Um, this James 
And we know that Christ Jesus did have earthly brothers and sisters. And you remember when Jesus went to Nazareth and he was visiting his mother and he spoke in the synagogue there. And then they were going to take him out and they were going to throw him off the hill, stone him and throw him off the hill where the synagogue was on the built on. Um, and what was the thing that they were saying? Who do you think you are? We know your family. We know your brothers and sisters. We know your mother and we knew your father. And we know you, that you're the son of that carpenter, so you have no authority. We, you just, you're, uh, we're not going to pay attention to you. So then Jesus, of course, blinded their eyes and he walked away and just left them. But this James is giving, it's giving, uh, leading to believe that this was Jesus' earthly brother, James. He had a couple brothers and sisters. Now, James, in my reading, James, to me, does not speak parabolically. He speaks pretty much straight out and open. And he, we'll, we'll find this in, we're going to find it in uh, James Chapter one, actually. I'm going to go here, uh, share this with you. Pardon me, I'm taking notes here. I'm notating as we travel. Pardon me, forgive me for this. But if we go to James and we go to one first chapter, And he just tells you plain out. But let him ask, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. What does that mean? Translation for clarification. I'm not trying to tell you. I'm Remember, I shared the difference with you. I'm not trying to blunt myself up. I'm sharing with you and clarifying because that's what I do. I am told that I'm supposed to be a teacher, not an instructor. As a teacher, I'm going to try to clarify and edify you, which means sharing information and clarity so that you learn something. And that's what the difference is. So it changes. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. Remember I shared with you when, when you come to God and you ask for forgiveness, he doesn't stand there with one hand on one hip and wagging his finger at you with the other finger and, and telling you, you know, you should, he's not going to do that. That's upbraiding. Upbraiding means that he's going to wag his finger and he's going to scold you because it took you too long to come and he's going to tell you why you should have and why didn't you this and you know, you just did la da da da. God doesn't do that. And we find in Romans 8, 1. In Romans 8, 1, it says, Therefore, there now is no condemnation to them that love God. God is not going to wag his finger. He's not going to upbraid you and scold you because... You came too late or you came more than once this week. He's not going to do any of that because that's not what God does. Further reading, verse 6. 
but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that waveth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James is telling you exactly how it is. He's telling you what it is. If you come to God and you're not asking in faith, and you're not speaking to him with faith, remember what Jesus told the woman at the well? He said that God is spirit and you can worship God anywhere as long as you do so in truth and spirit. So if your spirit is that of truth, All you have to do is come to God and ask. Brothers and sisters, I'm a fairly intelligent young man. God has, God has given me that gift. He gave me that to be that way. It, even from a young, a young kid, I could figure things out. But it wasn't just me. God, God gave me that. And as I got older, I did as Solomon did. I prayed two, two main prayers to God. I prayed the prayer of Chavez, and I've shared with you that Chavez was a young man who uh, there was much pain and agony in his mother because he was not a small child. So it caused his mother a lot of pain, and, he, and that hurt him when he learned about it. And he prayed to God that he didn't want that to happen anymore, so for God to be able to Bless him so that he could bless others. And God honored that prayer because he didn't ask for himself. God blesses me, mightily blesses me, but he does that because he's my good father. I don't ask him. He does that because he loves me. And I share with others because that's what I'm supposed to do. And he honors that. I ask him to, to share his knowledge and his wisdom, his truth with me and all. And he does that because I'm doing this. I am about my father's business. And as I've told you many times, as long as I've been doing this, I will not tell you a lie. I will not want myself to be of anything except for what I am. A sinner who has been redeemed and saved by Christ Jesus, my Lord and my King. And the truth and knowledge and wisdom that I share with you comes from him. But the Holy Spirit guides me through this. If you have questions in the word and you don't understand, simply ask. So back on point, Paul and Peter and the other disciples they speak parabolically. Hear James, reading James. And again, uh, James 1, 5 through 8, you read it. He's telling you straight exactly how it is. All you have to do is ask God. If you don't have it and you want it, ask him. There's other scripture that tells us you have not because you ask not. Christ Jesus shares that with us. 
And there are so many here that are confused about that. Why? But then he tells you straight up here, James, continually. He's not going to give you an upbraiding for coming and asking for that. But if you come in and you're not truthful and you're kind of him hawing back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, what does James tell you? He says you're like the waves of the sea that are driven by the wind. You have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea what you're wanting to do. You him and haw back and forth. And that is not appropriate and it's not truth. And then what's he tell you? For let not that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. If you don't come in truth and spirit and you have no idea what you're even doing, how are you thinking what were you thinking? Obviously not very much. That you would expect their heavenly father is going to honor that prayer when you don't even know. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, God's not going to honor that because, first of all, you're not sure. Well, maybe, the, uh, maybe, mm -mm. and then you're going to get out and you're going to be exactly like the Pharisees. You're going to speak in iniquitous manner to everyone. What does that mean? That means that you are going to be evil and wicked and lying and wanting yourself into be a position that you have no authority for. You have, don't, you're not deserving it. And you're going to make up things to make yourself into a higher platform than what you rate. You're double-minded. You're going to say one thing to the face it's like, uh, what was that song? Oh, goodness gracious. Now I can't remember. I can't remember who sang it. The, uh, the platters, somebody. Uh, anyway, a long time, a long time ago, when I was younger, there was, uh, there was a uh, song that they sang. It was, uh, the, it was called The Backstabbers. I'm not sure if that's what it was, but the verse, and it talks about the backstabbers. They smiling, they're smiling to your face but then they're stabbing you in the back. As soon as you turn your back, they're going to stick the knife in there and you are going to be, and they do that, they do that. And we're, brothers and sisters, they share that with you. That's not, that's not uh, parabolic speech. It's not anything. It's exactly what they do today. You have people that are going to tell you one thing to your face. They're going to smile. They're going to be a business partner. Then they're going to draw you in. And then what are they going to do? They're going to take everything you have and lie to the boss so that they can have your office. You have a number of people. What was that guy that, uh, the uh, oh, goodness gracious, he spent a whole bunch of time in prison and then wound up committing suicide. Um, but he was that pyramid scheme guy. And there's several of them, actually, they found out. So they smile to your face and get you and coach you into investing all sorts of money and you're going to make this and going to make that and make this and make that. And what he was doing, actually, was taking money from the next investor and making it look like there was a return. In reality, it wasn't what he was doing. He was just collecting money from everybody he could. And a guy stole multi-millions of dollars from people and then disappeared. Smiling to your face, convincing you that you should do this, and even rented a little office space so it looked, he looked important. And when they came back to raid it, they found it empty, him gone. Everything was gone, his computer was gone, and, 
and they found scraps of paper and then they put together this major investigation and uh, they finally caught up with him and they put him in prison. And then the other one, they, they in prison. Um, but they smiled in people's face and then they, while they did, and they reached around as if they were going to give him a hug and then they took out that dagger and they stabbed him in the back. This is what James is talking about, double-minded. You're going to smile to somebody's face. You're going to take them for everything they have when they're not paying attention. And here's the thing. God knows. You can't do that with God. And for the reading on this, again, is not parabolic speech. This is just open language. You just pay attention to what you're reading. Further reading, verse 9, let the brother of low decree, of low degree, rejoice in that he is exalted. What does the scripture tell us? That Christ is going to lift up those who are lowly and take down those that are arrogant, prideful, mindful of everything that they've done. And remember, Christ tells us that, that arrogance comes before the fall. If you're too caught up in what you are about and what you do, you will tumble and you will fall and then you're going to pick up what pieces you may, you're going to shake your head and rattle and you're going to say, wow, what just happened? You won't even recognize it. Further reading in James 1.10. But the rich, in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. Nothing parabolic about that at all. If you've ever been out in nature and you walk around, you know that there is a season, turn, turn, turn. There is a season. What is that? The Yardbirds, I think, sang that song. And the scriptures talk, the Solomon talks about that. He writes that in Proverbs. For every season there, for every I'm sorry, I just I went right out. I was about to say it. But Christ also reminds us for everything, there is a season. There is a season to live, to die, to live, to laugh, to cry, to weep, to dance, and rejoice for everything. There's a season under heaven. Under the majesty of Lord God Almighty, there's a season for everything. You go out in the wild and you'll see that during the summer months, the flowers will, some will dry up and, and blow away. But then they drop their seeds. And the seeds go in the ground. And then when the spring rains come and springtime comes in, those seeds will open and they flower and there they are again. Further reading of verse 11, for the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth and the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Some of you might be saying that that's parabolic, but for me, it's not. It's very plain and simple. 
James is speaking openly and he's also at the same time giving you an illustration that that rich man who's got himself all elevated up thinks he's something special. And like that sun, it's going to cook the flower and the grass and then they're going to wither away. Further reading in verse 12. And all of us need this. I need this. You need this. We all need this together. And the Lord was speaking this this morning. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for which he is tried. He shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. What's James telling us, explaining to us there? That you endure that. Don't gripe about that thing that's happening. Don't gripe about being tempted and that it's happening because you know what? If you're sustained and you endure, it's going to make you stronger. We're told that in scripture, that that, and it's done to increase your strength. Peter talks about persevering. Don't grumble about temptations and those things are happening. And Christ, Christ told us that it's going to happen. In this plane of existence that we're in and on, it's going to happen, plain and simple. Further reading of verse 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Don't mistakenly say that God is putting you through temptation because that's not true. He might allow you or allow it, but remember this, that he is not gonna have you going through anything at all, that he is not gonna be with you and that he that you can't endure. He's not going to do that. You in your own mind. Now, Satan is going to take the mindset and he's going to change it. And you want, this is a thing that Satan does. Just like he tells people, oh, you don't want to listen to them talking about the devil and warning us about the devil. We don't need that because it's focusing on the devil and not on God. We need to focus on God. So don't listen to whatever somebody's telling you about the devil. That's just too much. And, and we shouldn't do that. Well, that in of itself is from the devil. But God is not going to tempt you. God keeps you from temptation and God will be with you and strengthen you. And if you need more, then you just simply ask, say, Father, I'm, I'm weak. I'm weakening. Strengthen me. I have a fault that sometimes because of my, my military attitude that I think that I can do so much stuff on my own. Oh, I can't. I can't, and I got to pray. I pray often, and when I've shared with you that when I was working on my motorcycle and some of the small things, as soon as I pray, just let it go and quit being such an arrogant bugger and just open my hands up and let it go that he has me hold the smallest, tiniest little screw and it goes right where it's supposed to go. As soon as I quit trying so hard on my own, But every, uh, further reading verse 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. 
you're doing it on your own. You you went out there and you you're going down the road and you look over there and you see Johnny's strip joint. And what do you do? You look around and you walk across the street and you walk in the door at Johnny's strip joint. You hadn't been there in years. You used to play pool in there. You used to go in there and drink with your and crowds with your buddies. And here you just walked in there again. And then you're hanging out. And then somebody brings you a drink because they remembered you and you go, oh yeah, and what do you do? You, you drive it down and then you drink another one, drink another one, drink another one. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin and sin. When it is finished, bringeth forth death. Clarification for you. Not the physical death, but spiritual death. Because you walk away from where you first should be and we read about this. And it's the same thing in Revelation. When John is writing his letters and he's talking to the seven churches. And remember, there were seven letters that he wrote to the main churches that were in existence at that time. And there were only two that Christ did not tell John to write and warn them and tell them that he was dissatisfied. Only two that he was pleased because they were doing and they were holding true and steadfast. And you have to just remember that that's the important part, that no matter what, no matter what. As Paul reminds us that we're going to find in Colossians 4 and 2. I'm going to jump over here to Colossians 4 and 2. And this is part of that thing I started sharing about. In 4 and 2, Paul tells us, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Well, that, brothers and sisters, is part of that parabolic speech that I shared with you that Paul speaks to. Do you understand what he just said? Well, that's okay, because I'm going to help you out. And honestly, it's a it's a kind of difficult. But when he's doing it, and Peter Peter writes similarly, and there's sometimes when Paul speaks openly, and and then he gets into that parabolic speech, and sometimes it could be confusing. This is one of those confusing times, but at the same, Paul is giving us two directions and and sometime, and I became confused and the Holy Spirit is gracious to me and he takes me through. But Paul is giving us two things that we need to remember. Um, and this is not the only scripture that he talks about that, but Paul talks about that to pray continually or continuously. 
and it's possible to do all through the day. I've shared that with you that I prayed, I sang, I praised, and I worshiped when I was doing my mass transit stuff. Wasn't closing my hands and didn't or closing my eyes and uh, taking a prayer posture because that would have that would have definitely got people upset. But Paul is giving us a couple things that we need to remember, very specific and important things that we need to remember. That in prayer, we also need to be thanking for the opportunity for that from. Uh, Paul's telling us that we also, he tells us that we watch and pray and, and Peter tells us to be sober. Well, that doesn't have to do with alcoholic beverage. That just means that we're paying attention, that we're not distracted, that we're watching and being mindful. This is part of that thing I shared with you, that word circumspect to be upright and be aware of what's going on around you, to make sure that you're not giving reason that people would say, oh, look at that Christian just walked into Johnny's strip club. I knew I thought I recognized him because some years ago, I used to go in there all the time, was this drunken fool and they'd be playing pool, all that. And now I'm supposed to be a Christian, just went back in there. To be mindful and aware of what's going on around you. And this is uh, something that I pray through and pray into and make sure that I have my spiritual integrity intact. And that's what that term means, spiritual integrity, that regardless, if you're not in church or Sunday school and doing that, that you should be doing, and then you go out for the rest of the week, are you spiritually, are you maintaining your spiritual integrity and still doing and showing out the thing that you should be doing. So you continue to watch, be prayerful and mindful. And that you stay in prayer. And as you continually pray, that we also are watching for occasions to be thanks, thankful. Thankful for the brothers and sisters that you even have to pray over or the situation that you have to pray for or through. or in, Be thankful for all things, in all things. And the word, when we find it in the scripture, watch is exactly what I just shared with you, to be vigilant, alert, and attentive to things that are going on around. And be circumspect, stand upright and bold, and be mindful of what's going on around you. And as was shared this morning is that Paul knew, as the Lord knows, that we have a tendency to be mm, we have a tendency to be selfish and not paying attention to the things that we should be paying attention to. And we're not mindful to that. And we forget all the things that we're blessed for. I'm, I'm looking around right now and, I, and just reading this and sharing with you. I am so, 
so blessed, Father. And it, it's the opportunity that I'm even doing this and that I've been doing it for the years that, I've, that, he's, that he has allowed me and given to me to do this. I haven't been doing it. God set this up for me and established this up and says, yes, I do condone this thought. And I think that it's a good thing because you are gonna reach farther than you would be able to do on your own. And that, son, it's gonna cost you a bunch. You're gonna have to have a passport. You're gonna have to renew it all the time. And travel is gonna be difficult. And you can do this and you're not going to transmit anything over the airways except my truth, my knowledge, and my wisdom, because that's what I give you to do. And that's what I am thankful for and the blessing that he gives this for me to be able to do. And that he's allowed this to continue for as long as I so, oh my goodness, I am thankful for this blessing, not in, just in the prayers that I'm even able to pray over you, that you are. I'm mindful of that. I'm thankful that you are listening. And like I share with you, your validation doesn't matter because the only one that matters to me is that of my Lord, my God, the Chancellor of Heaven Sent University who signed my diploma, the Vice Chancellor, the Lord Jesus Christ, and my Guidance Counselor, the Heavenly, the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's the only validation. And I pray that you continue to hear the words and listen to the messages and seek his face, seek his truth, because that's the importance. That's the importance. But brothers and sisters, when we start to forget, forget that and we tend to not remember and be thinking of the things that we will take the greatest things that God gave, the greatest gift that Christ gave us the greatest gift that God gave to us is the fact that Christ Jesus came and died on the cross. I pray that you're not taking that for granted and that you just kind of shuffle it aside. Remember this, brothers and sisters, it isn't that he was waiting for you to be holy to come because you certainly didn't do that and you're not deserving of that. For everyone Everyone needs the redemption and that saving grace because we are all fall short of the glory of God. And without Christ Jesus in our lives, we don't have anything. And we tend to take for granted all that that God has given to us. And even more so, those, those gifts that God gives to us freely that we certainly don't deserve. We certainly don't deserve. Be mindful and aware of the opportunities that we have to give thanks to begin with. I'm thankful that my brothers and sisters, I can pray for them. That I've given the opportunity to pray over them for health or whatever's going on. I, I have um, a woman that's in my, my life group that's been going through some things and her brother is just um, 
put sharing and, the, and testimony of the healing touch that's going on and ongoing. And here's the thing that you have to understand too. God doesn't necessarily stamp his fingers and everything is great right away. Um, I was reading something the other day and um, it impressed me so much so that it has to stay here. That remember that everything and all that that when you when you go out in the woods and you get lost and then realize that you're 10 miles in, it's going to be 10 miles out. Well, what's that supposed to mean? Well, that means that it took you a while to walk that 10 miles. So it may be a while for you to walk that 10 miles back out. But don't forget that God says he is with you whithersoever you go. So you walk that 10 miles into the woods, forgetting about all of that. And you walk that 10 miles in and you get all twisted around, you get lost. He's going to be with you that 10 miles out. Be thankful of that. And be thankful of the fact that you have the opportunity to be in that beautiful woods that God made anyway. Be thankful for the opportunities that we are given to be in prayer for brothers and sisters. Um, the prayers going out for, and, um, you know, I kind of turned mine a little bit in the direction that I was praying mostly for brother. And I told her that the other day and said that well, it's been mostly for your brother. Focusing on him because knowing that her attention to her brother, whom she loves so much and the difficulties prevented her from being able to rest and, um, recuperate herself. So in the midst of all of that, so saying all of that to say this, that that opportunity to pray for over them, be mindful of the fact that I'm thankful that she's part of my life to pray over anyway, her and her brother. And remember this promise, as I tell you all the time, that you hear what I'm sharing with you, but listen to the words, and that we, I'm thankful, and you should be thankful too, that God promises that if you seek him, you will find him. Hearing this message, but going to his word and seeking him, he will be found. And be mindful and thank God for the things that he has given and just simply for his promises. And there's always reason to be thankful for God. And a lot of times when I'm in prayer, I just, 
I'm just simply thankful that God is my good, good heavenly father. You're in my prayers and my going out, my coming in every day. Be blessed.